When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Well, how about that? We are already in December, and things are looking mighty fine. Thank you once again for coming back to the one, the only, second print comics podcast. I am here, elated as always. I'm Remsa W. Martinez, and we could not do this show without the mighty, marvelous Mr. Mark Clare. Mark, how is your week treating you? Oh, shucks, Remzo. I think you could do the show without me. I'm just, you know, I'm just sugarcoating, (laughs) but uh, the week's been pretty good so far. I can't really complain. Other than the litany of things I complain about all the time in, in other forums, but we're not going to bring that into here today. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to say, I, I want to uh, talk too much about last week's episode, but what I really love is when people go out and actually buy the comics that we talk about and they send us photos of their stash and yes. their find. It's like going out and finding treasure. Uh, last week's episode about the Max, uh, a few of you actually went out and bought either the graphic novel. One of you actually went out and bought like the first seven single issues of it and i gotta tell you like that i i tried looking for those over the weekend gives I, me fact, chills remzo gives me chills i went to three different i went to, i went to i went to three different stores and i couldn't find those wow so yeah. kyle got really lucky kyle got very lucky but yeah what, what's it like you know actually seeing that people actually not only take an interest in the episodes but then they actually go out and spend their money and hopefully enjoy these actually getting to read them as much as we did reading them and getting to talk about them. Uh, it's, it's by far the most rewarding part of, of doing this. Now, maybe in uh, in five years when we're making, you know, mad bank on Patreon, that might the be the most bucks. rewarding. Maybe that will be the most rewarding part. <laughs> but right now, the most rewarding part is definitely when I, when I see fans of the show coming and showing us like, oh, I went and bought these books on your recommendation. I'm so I'm digging in these books. Kyle actually also uh, downloaded the, the Savage Dragon archives that he's going to start digging into, too. So that just that literally like gives me chills it gives me shivers because i i that's the reason i really wanted to do this show was a to give myself an excuse to read older stuff that that i used to love as a kid and also get introduced to new stuff through you but also really to get other people interested because i can i can read this stuff on my own all day and not not do a podcast but the point of the podcast is to really get other people interested in in the books that you and i have been inspired by so that that's just so awesome to see Absolutely. And we say it every time, folks, but you read comics and you change the world. Boom. How about That's that? That's what happens. Uh, Ramzo, before we move on, I do have another another point that I have to bring up. Shoot. This episode. Believe it or not, we once again have some breaking news. Breaking news. 
Well, much like last week when uh, there was an expose done on one of your original draftees from the X-Men draft back in episode 17, be sure to check it out. You missed a, a, a great time. Uh, X-Men gate. Yes. The, a certain team member has been going around trying to expose uh, expose our team members to dismantle our teams. Uh, and for, in your case, it was revealed that uh, through a, a private investigation that the Mimic was not a mutant. You did replace him with... Mimic has respectfully stepped down from the team after this revelation, and he was replaced with Beast. Thank you very much. The Grey Beast, if I'm not mistaken, to be clear. The Grey Beast. it seems there is now another controversy brew as uh, one of our listeners posted in the Second Print Fan Zone over on Facebook, which is now, of course, for patrons only, patreon.com slash secondprintpod. Uh, They pointed out that due to a recent change in Marvel continuity, one of my characters is no longer... A mutant either. That is Franklin Richards. Now, I I can't blame this on Jonathan Hickman. I mean, I can. I can yes, because can. he created Fascist Professor X, which I feel like somehow is the reason for all of this. We should do a we should do a poll whether we're going to call him Fascist Professor X or CrossFit Why not Professor both? X. Why not Fascist CrossFit? CrossFitting Professor Fastfit. Fastfit. There we go. Fastfit. Uh, we're going to get this X. trending. Hashtag Fastfit X. Um, <laughs> there you go. But yeah, it turns out Franklin Richards, who for like decades has been considered a mutant because he was born with superpowers and believed to carry the X gene that creates all mutants. Uh, this now this was not in a Jonathan Hickman book. Okay, this is in Fantastic Four number twenty six, written by I don't know who's writing Fantastic Four right now. Not not Jonathan Hickman, but not Hickman. It was um, it was Jonathan Hickman's fascist fast fit professor x that delivered this news to franklin richards so i'm going still going to hold him responsible for this that's that's the way i'm going to look at things uh but it was revealed that unbeknownst to the world franklin richards is so ridiculous this is the dumbest thing franklin richards who was always believed to be a mutant his son of reed richards and sue richards uh was actually he okay so he he actually did have cosmic powers passed down to him from his parents that they were given their powers through the cosmic radiation uh, as, as detailed in Fantastic Four number one or Fantastic Four Grand Design. I highly recommend the Grand Design books, by the way. I'm going on a tangent with a tangent. Oh, have, you, have, you been, have you been collecting those? Yeah, there, uh, there's two Fantastic Fours and two, I think there's like two or three X-Men. And I love them. They're awesome. They're done in this really campy 1960s like style, but they recap like, you know, like 25 or 30 issues of, of these series from the very beginning. So you get, you can get to learn everything that happened. They do it in a really fun way. And it's really like, it's really throwback art. Like I I can't recommend them highly enough. And they are also on Marvel. I've been, I've been looking at that in like my Amazon wish list. And uh, I was just waiting for somebody to recommend it. So I'm glad, I'm glad you, I would go as far as to call them must haves for, for Marvel fans. Then that's it. It's coming to me this weekend. I can't wait to hear what you think about them. Uh, Maybe we'll talk about one of those in a bonus show. We shall see. But I digress. Anyway, turns out Franklin Richards really did get his powers from the cosmic radiation powers passed down from Reed and Sue Richards. And he wanted to be so special as a kid that, see, now his powers are like reality transforming. This kid is so freaking powerful. He can create create universes. That's how powerful he is. So I guess when he was a kid, he wanted to be so special that he used his 
reality-altering powers to give himself these powers and change, alter all the cells in his body in order to make it look like he was a mutant and look like he had the X gene, but Professor X revealed that this was not the case, and because of that, he is no longer welcome on Krakoa because he's not a mutant, and how freaking racist, by the way. That's that's anti-trans mutant. (laughs) It sure is. Yeah, he chose to be a mutant. That should be respected, I feel. That was his life choice. He lived his truth, fam. Rest in power, mutant Franklin. So really, and it really goes to show what a horrible, horrible character. In many ways, Professor X has always been a horrible character, to be honest. We could probably do a whole episode about that. But this current version is truly horrible. And he just is downright racist to this kid. I mean, he this this he could help this kid uh, so much, you know, with the with his powers and, and all this. Uh, instead, he says, nah. You'd think nah. you'd want that guy on your team. You really should. I did. I, I did have him yeah. on my team. Uh, that was a very controversial pick, and I and I want to and I want to gloat as somebody that also had to deal with I that. Mean, but at the same time, gloat. it's like it's okay. that came that came that came out of nowhere. I know, that was the point. <laughs> and I it wanted was a to blow your mind. Betrayal. I wanted to blow your minds. It really was. It really was a crafty uh, move. I have to admit. But anyway, my crafty move has has backfired in my face. So I guess I guess the rule is if one of your team members gets disqualified, you can choose somebody else. So I am going to choose that. Rat, dirt, bastard, Cajun gambit to be on my team, and he's going to be going over to to the uh, the ex menstruator's house and and going after Rogue all all freaking day long. As far as I'm concerned, you would think that people that host a show about comic books would be able to know who are mutants and who aren't. Hey, th- that's how complicated. That's how complicated this universe is. Franklin Richards is not my fault because he actually was, I believe, a mutant at the time of recording. Whereas that issue that, that came was, out. this was like this was like something that was like just recently. Yeah, this is like last month. So, oh my gosh! So really, ah. it's not my fault. That's what I'm gonna say. Should I be proud? Should I be proud of the listeners for being able to catch you should, that actually. or and that, upset that, that they went after this us? This <laughs> does at least show you how involved our our loyal listeners do get in the show, uh, going and and posting screenshots from comic books that that alter our our teams in in fantasy dress we do about comic book characters. So it's like God damn you, but I love you at the same time. Exactly. Thank you so much for disqualifying. You know what? Why why has no one gone after Jenny yet? This is she has the most sexist team. There's not a single there's not She's a single like man on the X. team. No <laughs> No. No Vagine, you're not allowed. No, I, I, I feel I feel bad for Bataglia because once he uh once he went Jubilee, people have just been ripping on Jubilee. <laughs> so I guess I guess this he, he makes seemed Jenny to have a winner theme by going, default. And then suddenly we get Jubilee. You're like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? It's like you brought in Jubilee, you brought in Shadow Cat. I mean he, he things got weird. That, you would have thought that he would have had the ultimate ringer with Wolverine, but I think uh, right? I think Jenny's come out on top. Surprisingly, I thought for sure whoever got Wolverine was going to win, like just just straight up, because surely at that point they would build a cool enough team around that amazing pick to uh, to balance it all out. But apparently, apparently not the case, Matt. Well, well so. when he picked Maverick, I was like, eh, I can see it. Then he went Jubilee, and I'm like, I don't know what you're doing. In the second round, <laughs> and if, you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, what we're talking about right now, you got to go back and check out the X Men draft that streamed live, uh, actually live on video to our patrons in the Second Print Fan Zone Facebook group, and uh, it was released as episode. 17 of this podcast so if you are one of our many new listeners just check back uh just two weeks two little clickbacks in your podcast for you to check that out there you go well that's that's all i got you good i'm good let's rock this okay so is that what people say before they talk about uh uh five issues of morning 
let's rock this. Let's rock it's, this sad it's, tale. It's, it's the it's the most optimistic we're going to get about this. Uh, what what I love about comic books is that uh, you know I, I'm I'm a big film buff and stuff like that, like many of you. But like comic books have always been special for me because I could pick up any comic in my collection and it's almost like I remember where I was. And, uh, you know, some are sad, some are happy, some are awesome, some take me back to simpler times and stuff like that. But uh, this is this is actually one of the most uh, personal books for me, because this not only really touches a point in my love of comic books where I'm really starting to understand that this is really art. At the end of the day, often it's cast aside as just something for kids or something for people to waste money on. But really, at the end of the day, this is why I love comics, because this is art in a way which is truly unique compared to other mediums. But uh, what we're covering today is Fallen Sun, The Death of Captain America. It's a five issue limited series that was written by Jeff Loeb, and it had such amazing artists as John Cassidy, David Finch, Ed McGinnis, John Romita Jr., and Lionel Yu. Luke, a hell of a cast. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I mean, I'm a big John Romita Jr. fan. I ordered recently a. Issue 100 of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because it had Ed McGinnis cover on there, so I'm getting it uh, autographed. That'll be in. And uh, that was an early birthday present to myself. And, uh, you know, this came out right after the fallout of Civil War, Issue 7, and Captain America, Issue 25. Captain America has lost the superhuman Civil War. Iron Man and his pro-superhuman registration act. Army have beaten Cap's resistance. And in order to end the bloodshed and the fighting amongst friends, Steve Rogers has decided to surrender for the sake of the country. And he has allowed himself to be arrested by S.H.I.E.L.D. and taken off for trial, only to be gunned down by the villainous Crossbones apparently killing him. And as we know in comics, obviously, Captain America came back. Well, but Mark, this was this was seven years he was dead for. He was What's dead. It that long? He was dead in the comics for seven years. Wow. I had no they idea did, it was that long. They they had brought him back just around the time of Captain America, the first Avenger in the movie. But it was like they when he died, he like stayed dead. And there were some really awesome stories about who would pick up Cap Shield. Uh, you know, we saw Bucky uh, become Captain America for a little bit and stuff like that. So I mean, it had some really great years of storytelling. And honestly, I think it was a uh, it was Mark Wade at the time. He was doing Captain America for a bit. Um, like those are some of my favorite Captain America stories. Those are some of the ones that really influenced uh, the the movies and stuff. And I'm um, I'm happy that they did not kill Captain America and Captain America Civil War the movie. Uh, they took a different course in the film. I actually think that the film is better story wise than the actual comic by uh, Mark Millar. Um, that seems to be an opinion that's not as controversial today as years go by for the film and the comic. But uh, this five-issue limited series was written in a way which is um, – it's not totally unique to this series, but it was written in a chronological way with very distinct themes. And it's with the five stages of grief. And I picked this up as a kid and – um, I didn't really realize that when they were killing Captain America, that for all intents and purposes, he was actually dead. 
and I moved around a lot. And you uh, thought this would be like you know maybe Death of Superman, where they have a six month storyline and then you know, then he comes back. Yeah, and, I mean after years went by, I mean my my love of Captain America just got deeper. I've got Captain America. Fi- Actually, I, I ordered this for myself the other day because I'm I like to burn money. It's Captain America from the Avengers video game. Just came in the other day. Uh, pre-ordered that. It's, it's an exclusive. But like Captain America has always meant a lot to me. Uh, I did not pick this up for probably about ten years. There was a, a moment in my life where I was going through just a lot of, you know, I was going through a lot of physical pain uh, due to some stuff. I was going through a lot of emotional and spiritual pain. And to top it all off, uh, one of my best friends of almost a decade uh, died of a heart attack randomly. Wow. He was he was just a few years older than I am. He was we, we called we called him American Ninja Warrior. He was he was twenty three. Uh, he was doing ROTC at Virginia Tech. Uh, we had done you know like J Rotsy and stuff together and like he was airborne air assault, was gonna go be a Green Beret, dropped his girlfriend off at her house and had a sporadic heart attack in his car and just randomly died. And then a few weeks later my uh, my grandfather passed away. And so it was it was a really, really intense period. I, I get emotional still talking about it. And uh, this was one of the first stories I picked up because I remember what it was like. And for me, uh, it was it was hard for me to talk about it with people. But in order for me to really address a lot of these feelings and uh, very conflicting emotions I had about many different things, uh, for everything just to happen in such a short amount of time, it was like 30 days. It was it was extremely difficult. Uh, the only way I could process through all of it was through this comic. Wow. So I don't really pick this up often. I mean, I'll pick up a lot of my stuff often, but each time I want to pick this up, it's, it's soft and hard for me because it, it brings back a lot of that. But at the end of it, I always feel that I've, I've come to a new conclusion and I'm able to develop in some way. So this is really, really one of the most personal episodes for me. Uh, I really wondered whether or not I wanted to go this over This is making it. Let's Rock seem even less, less <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I, I really wondered whether or not I wanted to discuss it. But I mean, I think this is a a great comic and a great episode to have because, um, you know, for many of you, 2020 was a hard year. I know some of you did lose family members, not just due to COVID, but due to other things. And uh, this is just one of those moments where it's like if there's one comic that I feel really impacted me personally, it's uh, it's this one. Not just because it's just good storytelling, but just because of what it's trying to do for readers. Well, it's funny how certain things can come into your life sort of when you most need them, whether it's sometimes it's a book, sometimes it's a song or a person or what have you. And uh, it sounds like this book sort of filled that role in your in your life at the time, like a kind of a place that this is maybe this book is what maybe I might have understood what you're going through more than any other person that you could actually talk to. It, it really did, because I, and I don't want to get too much in the weeds if I want to jump into the story, but like comics, comics are a unique medium. And I, what I love about the superhero genre itself is whether you're talking politics, culture, just big challenges in life. This is somewhat of the lens in which we can stretch out ideas and explore certain things that we would not otherwise do anywhere else. And uh, I think there's something, you know, as, as a writer myself, there's something about the written word, which I think is more impactful than anything else. But when you pair it with just some of the best artists in the industry, 
I mean, and I, I think Jeff Loeb is probably one of the my my top five favorite writers. Uh, he's not number one, but he's probably close to two or three. Like this was this was done with such intent. And what I hate about comic book deaths now is they feel so impersonal because they kill someone, then they bring him back so fast. When this came out, the writers were dead straight convinced, and they say this in commentary that Captain America was never coming back. So they wrote this really as a final send-off to Steve Rogers. Wow. So, yeah, let's uh, let's jump into it. I just have to know, because when I got back into comics again, Captain America was already back. So can you give us the 30-second version of, of, of how they explained him coming back? Okay, or so do he you didn't need, really do you die. Need, do you need more? <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. Long story short, he didn't really die. The bullets he was, was shot with. Ruse. It was basically that. The bullets he was shot with weren't real bullets. Um, he was shot by a gun by not just crossbones, but it was a super time travel gun that a brainwashed <laughs> Agent Carter had. So as Captain America was shot by the sniper crossbones, Sharon Carter came over and shot him with his time travel gun, shooting him back in time. So like his spear and everything was stuck in the universe and stuff and his body was physically <laughs> dead and then years later they ended up bringing him back and it was like a it wasn't a clone and then some people thought it was a clone but it wasn't it was really the red skull trying to jump into captain america's body and it was it was stupid wow, <laughs> it was that it is, was bad that is even more absurd than I even thought that I even tried to imagine. It is like, it's called a Captain America rebirth. It's one of the most convoluted stories I've ever read. I, it it was supposed to be five issues. Then they extended the battle scars of its day. It was, Oh my gosh, it was, it was, you know, it's now I kind of want to read it. It's it's better. It's better than battle scars because it's a good Captain America story. If you really, if you really love the character, but it's just not a good story. Objectively, let's put it that way. Like, I enjoy it. I would read it again. But when you say it out loud, it's like, this is kind of stupid. <laughs> when you say it out loud, it sounds so stupid that I really want to see how they how they pulled it off. So we'll have to put that in the document yeah. somewhere. It's, it's no battle scars, but it's not the best. It's not really worth remembering. All right. Like okay, so we're on to issue one. Uh, each 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 issue of this is a separate story. It's a vignette, and it covers the five stages of grief, and the first one has to do with Wolverine. Uh, his issue is denial, and the cool thing about Wolverine is Wolverine's probably known Captain America longer than anyone else. They served in World War II together, and as people who were both somewhat out of time, uh, you know, Captain America was probably the only other person than Professor X who, he ge- who Logan genuinely uh, respected. Like, not just liked as a person, but genuinely respected. Like, we saw in Secret War, like, Captain America is the only person that could tell Wolverine what to do, and he'll do it begrudgingly, but he'll do it because he genuinely respects Captain America. So here we are. We're on the the Lower East Side of New York City. We're in a hideout, um, which is apparently an old S.H.I.E.L.D. base, and... Uh, Wolverine is talking to someone. He's like, I don't buy it. Uh, th- this whole thing isn't happening. And we see uh, little snapshots of this barber shop. We see a guy with a metal arm. We see a claw. Who are they? Well, it's Bucky the Winter Soldier and um, and Wolverine. And they're just, you know, they're they're in this old shield base, which is apparently, you know, a barber shop. So they're trying to figure out how to go ahead and get below. And Wolverine's just like, you're telling me this place was a shield base. And Bucky's like, come on, man, just, just give me a few minutes. 
Yeah, so they're, they're trying to find something, and we don't know what they're talking about. So then uh, Bucky, he's pulling a lever on this one barber chair, and it falls through the floor. Apparently, he eventually found the the secret entrance to it. So Wolverine jumps down, and he's like, hey, man, hey, kids, you okay? And Bucky's like, you got to stop calling me, kid. This is where Wolverine jumps in. You start to see a little bit more of their history. He's Bucky's like, like not- 80 years old. <laughs> he's in, 80 in years old, yeah, and he's probably like in his – you know, mid to late thirties at this point, but he's like, you gotta stop calling me kid. And this is where Logan starts teasing him. And he's like, Hey, that's how everybody and their grandmother remembers you. Bucky, Captain America's teenage sidekick back in world war two. And, uh, we even remember how you died, man. And at that point you see a flashback of when, uh, Captain America fell off the experimental Zemo jet and Bucky was stuck there. This is when Cap would go in ice and the thing would, and the Zemo jet would blow up, blowing off, uh, Bucky's arm, sending him, to the bottom of the Arctic, and then apparently that's when the Red Room for the Russians, they would find him and turn him into the Winter Soldier. So at that point, um, you know, Logan and Wolverine are continuing to talk, and, you know, because of that story, that's why Logan doesn't genuinely believe that Captain America Steve Rogers is dead. He's like, man, if you can come back from the dead, anyone can come back from the dead. Sound logic. Yeah, and, and at this point, they, uh, they, they don't really find what, they want to want to find uh, basically clues on how to get to another shield base where apparently they're holding the body of Captain America. At this point, uh, the Winter Soldier is like, listen, man, I saw I saw Cap die like he's dead and you got to accept it. And Logan's like, I'm just going to keep looking, man. Um, and what what's kind of what's kind of odd is that, you know, part of part of Bucky who was there went and watched uh, Steve Rogers die. Even there's a part of him that's like, maybe he could still be alive. Maybe. So at this point, uh, Wolverine's like, you know, I'm just going to keep looking and you can follow me, but you know, do your own thing. And the Winter Soldier looks at him. He's like, hey, Logan. And Logan's like, what kid? And he says, if you do see Steve, say hello for me. And uh, it's not like Bucky the joke, but I think this is one of those stages where you've got Logan who wasn't there and he really doesn't believe Steve Rogers is dead. Then you've got the Winter Soldier who was there and saw it. And even though he knows it, he's still hold he's still suspending that belief. So uh, next page, we go over to Hell's Kitchen, New York. Uh, we see Daredevil doing his thing, jumping across rooftops like an absolute badass. And, uh, you know, he's talking to somebody and he's like, it's quiet. This is what happens to New York when we lose one of our own. The city goes quiet. And he's obviously talking about Captain America, who's who's um, who's from Brooklyn. And uh, at this point, you know, Wolverine jumps out and it looks like he's attacking Daredevil. And he's like, Wolverine, what, 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 what are you doing, man? And, uh, you know, Wolverine and Daredevil, they're not really fighting. It's more like they're sparring. And Daredevil goes, word is uh, you, you've got around to two or three other guys running around in your costume. And they're throwing this in there because at the time, Iron Fist was also pretending to be Daredevil uh, because Matt Murdock was in prison for conspiracy of murder. It was a whole thing. So at this point. Um, Sounds about right. Yeah. At, at this point, uh, Wolverine wants to know, like, are you the real Daredevil or not? And, you know, as they fight, he's like, yeah, you're the real Daredevil. And, uh, you know, at this point, you can smell me, man. You know, yeah, 
Yeah, so at this point, Wolverine looks at him. He's like, listen, I'm going to go look at Cap's body. Those heightened senses of yours could come in handy at peeling back the truth. He's obviously alluding, like, you know, with his supersonic echo senses, uh, Daredevil could probably detect a heartbeat, and it might be able to also tell if they find anyone else there. They could probably use him as a human lie detector test to find it out. And uh, Daredevil's just looking at him, and he's like, listen, Logan, people die. You, you more than us know that. Uh, we'll be arrested on site, and how, how are you planning on getting around? all of that so wolverine smiles and he's like listen man i got a guy uh the next page they go over to the shield helicarrier and uh this is this is kind of the stage where tony stark was the director of shield he he won the superhuman civil war kept uh you know nick fury is still criminal maria hill isn't really holding stuff together so the president made tony stark director of shield this guy's on top of the world right now wins the civil war running shield yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a good time to be Iron Man. And uh, at this point, what happens is you see Doctor Strange. He uses his astral projection powers as a sorcerer to go ahead and basically make uh, him, Wolverine, and Daredevil appear on the helicarrier. But uh, they're invisible to all of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s technologies and everything. So this way, this will go ahead and allow them the actual ability to go in. And as they're sneaking around and stuff, uh, Wolverine's like, hey, I got to go find somebody. And Daredevil's like, what are you talking about? We need to go find Captain America. And he's like, listen, uh, we, we got go to go to one place here and talk to this one guy who we have to see before we go find the body. By the way, based on your explanation of Captain America's return, I already got to think, shouldn't Doctor Strange have been able to sense that his soul was had left his body and traveled to the time stream? Or I know, we're not going to go there. But no, you because, know why? Because you comics. know why? Because comics. Because so comics. Uh, Daredevil doesn't want to meander around because Doctor Strange's spell can only last for so long, but they do, and they go to a cell where they find Crossbones, and Crossbones was arrested right after the assassination of Steve Rogers, and they go and they find him, and they are they allow crossbones to see them and he's like what 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 are you doing there you here to kill me or something and uh wolverine's like why does everyone think i want to kill you just because you shot captain america and uh at this point you know logan wants to see like listen did did you kill him or not and uh you know at this point he looks back at him and he says i shot at him but i didn't get the kill shot now we know through Mm. captain america 25 that Sharon Carter, Agent 13, was actually the one that killed Captain America. When you see it, you just see a regular gun, but when they do the whole rebirth, resurrection thing, you see that it was a time travel gun or some stupid shit like that. So and, what uh, was, was she, and she was being, you know, she brainwashed was brainwashed by Dr. Uh, Foss. It was, yeah, it was brainwashed. It's, yeah. So, forget about that. So, yeah. So at this point, Daredevil is uh, listening to his heart rate and he's like, listen, Logan, like he's actually telling him the truth. And, uh, you know, at this point, Wolverine's just losing his shit. He's like, I, I, I need to know, like, ha- ha- do you know who killed him? What what are you not telling me? And Crossbones is like, listen, man, I don't remember because Crossbones also had his mind wiped of who the agent on the ground to actually kill Captain America was. So Logan's like lo- losing his shit. He's bringing up, you worked for the Red Skull. You're a habitual liar. You're a terrible person. And this whole time, Logan's just like, listen, man, like. He's not lying. So Logan just keeps pushing him. He's trying to aggravate Crossbones. At one point, he puts a gun on the table in front of him uh, to see if Crossbones will take it. And what happens is Logan goes ahead and pushes him more. Crossbones grabs the gun and starts shooting the hell out of Logan. Because why not? 
uh, why no other shield agents come in at all? Why no one heard all those gunshots? Right, that's the first thing I was thinking. Shouldn't there be some kind of security that would at least hear the guns? Yeah. So, you know, so at this comics. point, yeah. So at this point, you know, Logan obviously heals. He goes up. He's about to cut off his head, and Daredevil jumps in. He's like, "Listen, man, he doesn't know anything." So Wolverine looks at him and he, put, he puts his claws back and he punches crossbones in the face and he knocks him out. And Daredevil's like, man, you, you feel better. You got your pound of flesh. And, uh, you know, Daredevil's like, listen, man, like we, we, we got to go. At this point, Logan's like, I'm not going with you. And Daredevil's like, what? And, Cap- and at this point, uh, Wolverine's like, listen, I got to go see Captain America's body. So at this point, you know, Daredevil runs away of Strange. The spell is gone. Logan is just there. And he goes to another room and he sees a flag-draped coffin. He opens it up. He sniffs it because of his heightened senses. And uh, who's standing behind him? Iron Man. And all he says is, it's him. And you see Iron Man walk right behind Logan and Logan doesn't say anything. And he's like, that's why you came here, isn't it? To make sure. 12 seconds ago, you just showed up on our sensors. Dr. Strange is going to have to learn that I'm tired of his little trick. And Crossbones over there, you made a mess of him. You've been busy. Any, I mean, anybody come with you? Iron Man's just being the dick cop at this point, And Wolverine's just not saying anything. And, uh, you know, at this point, Iron Man kind of just figures out, you know, I just got to stop being a dick right now. And he's like, listen, man, Cap's dead. You're going to have to accept it. And uh, this is where it, it kind of hits me here. It's like... Wolverine still doesn't even make eye contact with Iron Man. He's just disgusted with him at this point. He's like, you telling me or yourself? I don't see his shield. How how are you going to play that, Stark? That Steve Rogers is dead, but Captain America will live on? You'd like that, wouldn't you? You people. And at this point, you know, Tony pulls off his, his helmet, and he's like, he was my friend, Logan. Maybe my best friend. What, what, what do you think you were going to get out of this? Like, what are you doing? And at this point, you know, you see uh, you see another person jump up. You see Yellow Jacket, uh, Hank Pym. He's able to, you know, grow really big. And at this point, I don't know how he gets super giant in this helicarrier room. And uh, you know, I, I think I think it's kind Do of. We a, have a different I, book. Oh. Yeah, you see him in the in the shadow. Wow, I didn't even like notice that. It just happens on the last page. Yeah, that's why I don't like about this because they it's really, really hard to. See. I literally didn't even see him in the first time. Yeah, so like I, I like I, I I like uh, the artwork here, but this is one of those moments where it's like you're trying to cram people in places that doesn't make sense, and the shading's off. So that is Yellow Jacket there. Uh, he he's somehow. 60 feet tall in this small, normal-sized shield room, and he's like, hey, man, you think you could take me and Iron Man and every shield agent right outside this store? And uh, Wolverine looks at Yellow Jacket, who's who could very easily beat Wolverine, and he's like, yep. And that's why Stark just gonna let me walk out. Uh, you want me to go back. You want me to tell anybody with hope who are in denial, Luke Cage, Spidey, the other Avengers, that I got proof. Uh Stark, if I found out you had anything to do with Iron Man's death, I'll freaking kill you myself. With Captain America's death. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Iron Man just looks at him and he's like, just let him go, Hank. Just let him go. Because that was what uh, he wanted Logan to do. He wanted him to go back to the, you know, the underground Avengers and everyone else and tell them that Cap is actually dead. So that that's issue one. Uh, what what did you think starting out with denial and Wolverine? Often people think that he's the super realist. He's the guy who just wants to rip the Band-Aid off. But this is really him not willing to accept it on face value that 
Cap is dead, and he seemed to be the only one actually going just to verify it. I mean, Daredevil came along, but he didn't want to come along. Yeah, exactly. First of all, I did not at all put together that these were these five issues were the five stages of, of grief until you just brought it up at all. So I don't know if I'm just supposed to know that or if it's it's I don't think it's clearly stated anywhere, but but it makes perfect sense now that you say it. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the way that you set things up early in this issue when we're talking about how much respect Logan has for Captain America, how long that he's known him for, uh, how almost nobody in the world could tell Logan what to do except for Captain America because he respects him that much. I think that speaks to why he is, even though he's the most, he's the realist or what have you, uh, I think that speaks to why he has the hardest time dealing with this and the hardest time accepting that it's possible because he is he is so close to him and he he does respect him so much so the reality of it is pretty much irrelevant to the emotions that you feel when you're when you're you know that you know you respect someone so much and and you can't just believe no there there can't be a world without this this person that's not possible so it has nothing to do with the realism of it at all as much as it does to do with captain uh with the, the relationship between wolverine and captain america yeah i mean so so can i give you some context so i've got the i think it's the 2006 edition of fallen sun so they give the variant covers at the beginning of each issue and on them they actually say the uh the the stage you're in so for issue one it was a wolverine underneath it said denial and for issue two it shows on my end spider woman and miss marvel yeah Um, the marvel unlimited versions don't don't do that yeah and and this is why like i I tell people if you really like uh, a digital comic like if you really really like it get the get the paperback version because it will almost be like you're reading it new again but uh but yeah i mean that's just something that's unique about this and uh, i mean as far as wolverine goes i mean the guy's lived a life full of death uh you didn't think that he would be the one to necessarily be dealing with this issue whether it was just him not emotionally accepting it or him just being like i've seen aliens gods all this other shit i'm an immortal like i i really he really takes convincing for me to do it but at the end when he's just like i'm gonna walk out and i'm gonna tell people and i had to come see it myself and iron man just lets them it's a it's a bittersweet moment yeah plus i mean people are going to take it in a different way from Wolverine saying, trust me, it's real than, you know, maybe any other character too, because of the respect that everyone else has for Wolverine. So it's a, it's just a trickle down respect situation. So, uh, issue two is anger. Um, what I love about this cover is it shows a uh, spider woman and Miss Marvel, Miss Marvel back in the real Miss Marvel days, Carol Danvers in the, in the, in the base and basically a swimsuit. I, I, I love it. I liked pin up, you know, super hot blonde Miss Marvel. I, I'm not a big fan of the current Carol Danvers. You're a misogynist. Yep. Uh, Kate me all you want. Hey, they're comics. It's what we grew up with. Absolutely. I grew up with Jim Lee, Jim Lee Psylocke. I mean, <laughs> so issue two starts, you see, uh, uh, Simon, um, aka Wonder uh, Wonder Man. You see Carol, aka Miss Marvel of Iron Man's Mighty Avengers. What, what was cool about this time is you had multiple Avengers titles. You had New Avengers, which were Luke Cage, Spider Man, Iron Fist, Ronan, Doctor Strange, Wolverine, Echo, and uh, J- 
Jessica Drew, and they were the the underground new Avengers, and they were the ones who would side with Cap, so they were still technically criminals. Then you had the Mighty Avengers, who were Iron Man's team, sanctioned by S.H.I.E.L.D., so uh, you, you see them going around, and they're basically spying on a friend, and they're going around looking for the new Avengers, and they were spying on the thing. They don't show it here, but the reason why everyone is kind of spying on the thing is because he refused to take a side during the superhuman civil war. He actually went off to France for the entire time, and he did not come back until it was over. And then when the outcome was the Registration Act is here, he just went ahead and did it. So because he didn't fight in the superhuman civil war, every Everyone has just been very cautious of him. So what you see is you see uh, um, the thing walk in somewhere. It looks to me like Greenwich Village. And you see uh, this old Delapte building that says Starbucks coming soon. And uh, the thing walks over. He's got a trench coat and a hat on. And he's knocking on the door. And he's like, uh, Vishizny? Uh, can't read my own stupid handwriting. Uh, Vishazi? Ah, oh, forget it. Just open the blast door. Basically, it is supposed to look like a dilapidated building because Doctor Strange is using that as cover because this is actually the new Avengers hideout. And uh, that was the secret word that was set by um, Doctor Strange. Now, now, what's cool about this is in the next panel, uh, I mean, you see Iron Man talking about, you know, wanting to go find uh, the, the new Avengers. And in this panel, you see Ares, you see a Black Widow. You get to see the rest of the Mighty Avengers. This is not as important. What's important to notice is that uh, in the same page, you see Doctor Strange in an astral plane. This is going on simultaneously with the first issue. So when you see Doctor Strange right here and the thing is looking over and he's like, what's up with him? Uh, you know, his trusted psychic Juan is like he's in a, he's in he's in his astral self. He's away doing something else. And what he's basically doing is he's helping Wolverine and Daredevil break into the shield hell carrier. So that's why he's like that. You don't really understand until later in the issue. So the reason well, I why think it's pretty I, I kind of got it right away just because I just read the other issue, you know. So yeah. I, I just kind of assumed, I mean, they don't make it super obvious, but the implication is there. Yeah. So uh, the, the next couple of pages continue and to kind of keep it short, you see the Mighty Avengers going around and they're basically trying to find a mission. They don't really have much to do. The Mighty Avengers really didn't have much going on. It was really more of just a team to make, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Superhuman Registration Act look good. And the world still needs an Avengers team. So they're going around, they're Quinjet, they're trying to, you know, find people, they're trying to go on a mission, and everyone's just really mad, because Captain America has literally only been dead for a few days, and they still have to go on patrol. So everyone is just basically bitching. Iron Man is yelling at Ares, Ares is yelling at Iron Man, Wonder Man is yelling at... Uh, everyone else and Black Widow's just tired of everyone's bullshit and Miss Marvel is the field team leader so she's just really kind of tired of people and then you go on to the next one and you see the thing is walking downstairs and you know Luke Cage I, I, is, I have a question yeah. I have to answer as a question here or maybe you're about to get to it I'll, I'll let you get to it yeah so uh, you, you see that side of the page with the Mighty Avengers then you go over to the new Avengers and the thing and the the thing He's upset about Captain America being dead, but he's not as upset as, like, the new Avengers. And you see Luke Cage is just not really himself. You see Spider-Man, who's in his black suit, which... The That's my question. Okay, the reason why <laughs> is because right after the superhuman Civil War... Uh, well, during the Civil War, Spider-Man revealed his identity to the world. I remember that. And after that, he actually switched sides from Iron Man's team to Captain America's team. 
And what made it worse was that at this point, everyone knew who Spider-Man was. So the Kingpin hired a guy to go kill Mary Jane and Aunt May, but he only succeeded in shooting Aunt May. So at this point, Spider-Man's on the run. Spider-Man 3, the movie, is also coming out, by the way, so you got to get the merchandising in there. And uh, he's he needs to show people that he's tired of the shit and he's he's going to be different. So because his costume was ruined and he lost his Iron Spider costume that Iron Man gave him, he went to an old church where he had a backup costume and it happened to be the cloth version of the black-suited Spider-Man. Gotcha. So that's not the symbiote. No, no, it's it's cloth. Um, and, you know, what, what's funny is you see Spider-Man on the wall. He, he does not look like your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He's sulking and he's just not doing very well. At this point, the thing's asking him, like, Spidey, you ain't playing on wearing your mask while we do this. And Spider-Man's like, yeah, sure. Uh, look, Ben, my, my eyes are kind of red and uh, I'm, just, I'm just not doing well. And uh, the thing at this point realizes, listen, everyone is still really mourning. And he's like, it's okay. We all miss him. Come on. This will take your mind off of him. So the next page, you see the Mighty Avengers are uh, getting their coordinates. They're going to go fight some bad guys. And in the other half, you see the thing saying, listen, I hate to tell you, boys and girls, but it's clobbering time. So while the Mighty Avengers are doing their thing, what are the new Avengers doing? They're playing poker, an old Avengers tradition. While you see... uh, the villain Tiger Shark uh, using a giant octopus to fight the mighty Avengers. So that that's kind of like where we're at so far. So any, any questions about the lead up? Because there's a lot in the first two pages that are very specific to that one point in time. We had to deal with Black Suited Spider-Man. We had to know where in the story this takes place of Doctor Strange and why everyone is kind of suspicious of the thing and stuff. There was definitely a lot going on. Uh, you have answered all of my questions that I had going in. So I, I think you've caught us all up. Cool. So yeah, I, I didn't I didn't know any of that, that going in. I was like, what? Why is he the symbiote? And I was like, why is everyone being weird with thing? So yeah, these these were the questions I needed answered. That's why you're here once again. Yeah, and, and there's some job. awesome McGinnis artwork. I mean, a lot of the dialogue is just filler dialogue because it's trying to for like every Mighty Avengers panel, you see a new Avengers panel. And uh, what it's trying to basically show you through their dialogue is that people are just really tense. People are just really upset. Um, you know. Uh, Iron Fist is kind of throwing an attitude. The the Mighty Avengers are being excessively violent uh, with with fighting their enemy. I mean, in this part, you finally see like the Wasp, who's typically the happy-go-lucky member of the Mighty Avengers. She she shows up here and she's just pissed, and Black Widow is pissed, and everyone is just angry. I mean, they can't go on a mission, and the New Avengers can't even play poker right now because everyone is just super pissed off. So, you know, the, the game continues at the Ares poker table. is just, like, chopping the tentacles off these things, and he's like, die, creature, die! It's like, okay, man, chill out. Yeah, I mean, Relax. everyone is just really excessively violent, or they're just incredibly rude to each other. And you see the, the game is just not doing very well, and at one point, no one's talking, so Spider-Man's like, so what are we going to talk about? And Spider-Woman's like, talk about what? And Spider-Man's like, it, Steve, the death of Captain America. So then you go to a to a pan out shot and everyone just wants to continue with the game. So Spidey puts his cards down. He's like, I fold and he uh, he walks out. Meanwhile, I mean, the Mighty Avengers are just incredibly, incredibly pissed. They're just continuing to be pissed. Um, At this point, you see another visitor show up. It's Patriot from the Young Avengers. They don't really explain why why he's there. 
And uh, I'm, I'm going to skip the next couple of pages because the dialogue here is just not important enough for me to read. This is one of those things where you really have to read it yourself because the dialogue isn't really carrying the story along, but it's really there just to paint a picture of how they're doing. I mean, they're they're all just mad. They're, they're just not doing well. So we can skip anything involving Sentry as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, the Sentry shows up and he's not important. Um, but at this point... At all, know, in, in, at any point in Marvel Universe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who ends up showing up at the end of the poker game? Wolverine. He walks in and the thing's like, hey, grab a chair, man. I feel like taking somebody else's money. At this point, Wolverine looks around and he's just like, you know, just looking around. Everyone just looks sad. So Spider-Man stands up and he's like, well... And, uh, you know, Wolverine walks over and he grabs a chair and Spider-Man turns to him. He's like, that's chair. I mean, that chair is for Steve. It's his chair. And Wolverine's like, he won't be needing it. And Spider-Man's like, wait, what? And Wolverine goes, I saw the body. Saw Iron Man, too, if anyone cares. So he Sp- thought Wolverine was in denial. Spider-Man's super in denial. Oh, like, Sp- he's acting like he didn't even, like. Think it was a possibility that he was dead. And this is where you see Spider-Man, like one of the most out-of-character moments. He looks at him and he's like, you're wrong. It was a clone or one of those LEDs or LMDs, shield robots, you know, that whole thing. And uh, Wolverine just looks at him and he's like, he's gone, okay? Captain America is dead. So at this point, Spider-Man literally grabs him by, like, the collar, lifts him up, uh, screaming at him. He's like, shut up, shut up, just shut up. And Wolverine starts yelling at him. He's like, get your hands off me. And he pops his claws and you think there's about to be a major throwdown so at this point they actually do start literally fighting and uh, the new avengers just kind of let them go at it and you know at this point they, they don't want to jump in but they feel like they have to kind of just let them get the steam out so eventually um you know if the mighty avengers uh submariner shows up and that that fight's over. The, the whole Blows mighty his big horn. Yeah, yeah the, big horn the, to end the fight. The the mighty Avenger stuff is really not that relevant here. I mean, yeah, it's, it's I could have I, I could have actually done without it. Yeah, I, I think I, it. But I, I like how they. I guess I like it for the purpose of the contrast between how these different groups are sort of both dealing with anger in different ways. So I, I, for that reason, I mean, I, I see, I understand why it's there, but the actual scenes themselves are kind of like, okay, whatever. Yeah, and it's the... one of those things that's difficult to kind of describe to people. You have to really read it because the only thing carrying the story along is the new Avengers side of things. The Mighty Avengers team is there, but it's really one of those things you have to read to experience. So at this point, And just thing, from my yeah. point of view, like the, the new Avengers are characters that I've, I, I really care about. Like they're characters I like, like Thing, Wolverine, Spider-Man. These characters i've always cared about whereas i can't really name a mighty avenger that i ever was excited about as a kid like i never cared about miss marvel or or wonder man or like really any of these any of these characters at all so to me i just had a lot more connection to to what was going on with the new avengers and i think that's why they kind of put them there because with uh Mm -hmm. with both of these guys i mean you just get more heroes for your buck but all all of them have had some history of captain america that's why even though you've got the top the side that lost and the side that won it still kind of matters so at this point we go back to the fight uh the thing is breaking up uh, Spider-Man Wolverine from about to kill each other and he's like, you know, just knock it off. And, and I ain't just talking to you two blasted yo-yos. I'm talking to a whole lot of you. Ready to take somebody's head off even if it's each other's. Now, I ain't anybody be setting any example, but getting angry ain't gonna change the fact that we lost one of the greats. At this point, you see everyone kind of just bowing their head. They're like, we're, we're ashamed of our actions and Luke Cage jumps in and he's like, the greatest. 
So Spider-Man realizes he was acting like a dick, and he's like, listen, I, I got to be getting home. And at this point, Wolverine lets him kind of walk up the stairs, walks out, and he looks back at everyone, and he's like, I should go shadow the kid, make sure he gets home in one piece. And uh, you see Spider-Woman, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist just kind of looking solemnly, and they're like, yeah, just just go do, do that, Logan. You should do that. And... Um, you know, you see everyone kind of like at the end of their day, the Mighty Avengers won the battle, but they're 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 not processing it well. They can't just go out and fight and do all this shit when they're still dealing with a lot of their own personal trauma. And then you see the new Avengers and they're like, should we go back to playing cards? And Luke Cage is like, shut up and deal. So that that was that was issue two anger. I really like this one. I, I especially the scenes, like I said, with the you know the, the new Avengers and the poker scene. And what I really enjoyed about that is that the fact that these people have powers on that on that side of the story completely irrelevant. Didn't matter at all. It, it, it's just these characters being humans dealing with this death and this grief in a way that anybody you know might deal with it in, in the way that you know a group of friends might be dealing with it if they have a weekly or a monthly poker game and one of their friends dies between games and this is like the next game and that how th- this could easily be a completely non-superhero story and it's just so relatable uh, from what you can imagine regular humans would go through uh, the fact that they're super powered beings just plays no part in this story uh, and again maybe that is part of the contrast uh, with the mighty Avenger side of things where it's all about their powers. They're all using their powers and venting their anger with the powers. And this is kind of the flip side of that when um, all the anger and all the venting and all, all this grief and pain that they're dealing with is being done through, uh, you know, through basically, even though they are superpower beings basically done through what we're seeing as regular humans who just happen to be wearing costumes and happen to have powers. Yeah. And I mean, the, the thing about this is it was hard for me to kind of do this justice because this is probably a very, this is a very dialogue focused story and there isn't really a main story to it this is them just fighting each other nitpicking at each other just being mean to each other and you read this and you kind of wonder where it's going but when you look into that context it's like these people don't want to be around each other they're not channeling their emotions in the right way and this is really uh, an issue to be experienced because once you kind of look at it and read it for yourself you're like this is us We've all been here. And, uh, you know, like what you said about it being probably one of the more human issues of really any comic we've kind of looked at, uh, it doesn't need to have a big, grand, overarching story within a single self contained comic. It can just be an experience. And I think that's the best way I could describe it. Yeah, that is what it is. It's uh, it's just like a, a snapshot of of an evening, more so than it is like a, a tale, a story with a a beginning, middle, and end, like a real arc. It's just it's just here's a glimpse into these lives. That's kind of what all these stories are in some way or another. Yeah, uh, this one I think really starts to get into the to the meat of things. So I think this is definitely an issue that that people should go check out. I think everyone should be checked out, but this one should. This one really, I think, is probably one of the better moments. Uh, the next one is Bargaining, part three. I, I, I can 
I can tell I'm you I'm actually this. learning the five stages of grief right now. I didn't even know about bargaining. So. Yeah, like I, I'm trying to think about bargaining and like I totally I totally understand it. Like we, we've all had those moments where it's like, you know, we go through denial, then we go through anger and then we're thinking, well, what what if I do this? Will it change an outcome? What, what, what if something had changed? Will it somehow make things better? It's that point where we say things that at the time we think make sense and we think are practical. And then You're trying we, to navigate your place with, with in the context of whatever happened, which in reality is probably really out of your control, but you're trying to manage your place in the universe in relation to this, this tragic event. Absolutely. And I mean, no, no one kind of understands this part better than the man who has died himself and commands to come back. This is Hawkeye. Now, for people that don't remember, early 2000s. <laughs> get ready. Some Because Comics is coming in. It's about to get hard. Uh, <laughs> Hawkeye was dead, like literally dead. Then there was a big universe-shattering event called House of M. Dead people were brought back. The world was then put back in place, but some things weren't normal. There were less mutants. Some oh, people... So did House of M bring, M bring him back? Yes. At the final okay. issue, it brought him back. So basically, okay. um, you know, at the end of House of M, dead Hawkeye comes back to life, but he doesn't immediately come out to people. He's kind of on the run because he doesn't really want people to know he's alive because as soon as he actually figured out that he's actually like alive, alive, and this is the real world, the superhuman civil war broke out and he just wanted to kind of be left alone as he was trying to figure out what's going on. I mean, the man was dead and now he's alive. So what we see is outside of the Avengers mansion, which has not been used for many, many decades at this point, you see a newspaper float by that says Captain America assassinated. And then you see everyone's favorite archer. He's got this special like little beacon arrow that he's shooting up in the air, and he's hoping that it will signal somebody. And who is this somebody? Uh, Hawkeye's standing around, and he's like, come on, come on, come on. I know you got ears. And who shows up? Iron Man and this great landscape piece that Ramita does is probably one of my favorite scenes in the series. See a back of Iron Man's arm. And I think the thing about Iron Man is he doesn't often look formidable. But what I like about when Ramita draws Iron Man, Iron Man looks tough as shit. You know, I think he's one Man looks badass here. Yeah, he's a very underrated uh, Ramita take on a character and uh iron man grabs the arrow in midair and he's like you're trespassing and hawkeye's like ha see you got my message and iron man's like i don't know what you're doing here and uh i don't know who you think you are or what you're doing and you know clint cuts him off he's like nah tony you know who i am i think i am or you wouldn't have come uh the hard part is getting you to know it's me hawkeye avengers priority code one nine username trick shop password and you know at this point iron man doesn't even know if this is the real hawkeye this is really one of the first moments he's coming out so he does like a little scan on him and he's like my god clint how how, how is this possible and Hawkeye's like, because I was dead? Well, I don't want to talk about that now. But what I want to talk about is Steve, the death of Captain America. What the hell are you doing about it, man? So, you know, Iron Man, who seems happy one moment that his friend is back, walks over, takes his mask off, smiles, and then punches him so hard he freaking knocks him out. So That's got to hurt, man. And <laughs> I, even a regular strength punch with an iron fist. I mean, that's got to do more than... It's got to, it can break your jaw. It's really dangerous. Hawkeye doesn't even have powers. Yeah, and, and what's funny is the next part, you see uh, uh, them back in a helicarrier. You see Iron Man looking at uh, Hawkeye, who looks like he's in that uh, uh, back-to-tank from, like, 
the Empire Strikes Back. He's all hooked up and stuff, and he's floating in this tank and stuff. And, you know, at this point, he's got the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent next to him, and he's like, listen, uh, is he a clone? I know it sounds stupid, uh, Doctor, but, like, is he? And uh, It's not that stupid. Yeah. It's a comic book. Yeah, so the doctor's like, well, my, my gut tells me that's Clint Barton back from the dead. As impossible as a, and as improbable as it seems, I, I think it's him. So Iron Man's like, good. Uh, it doesn't, you know, uh, at, at least it's not clone. So the doctor looks back at him and he's like, she's like, uh, any idea what he wants? And this is where things start to kind of take a little bit different turn from the other stories. Iron Man goes, it doesn't matter what he wants. What matters is what his country needs. And it's kind of odd he would bring that back. So uh, Clint wakes up and, you know, he's like, God, my hangover has a hangover. And, you know, Iron Man's joking around. He's like, fortunately, we've got something for that. And he's like, what'd you hit me for? And he's like, well, you have done the same. And, and they just start kind of talking. And eventually Hawkeye's like, listen, man, what, what happened to Steve? And Iron Man's like, he was assassinated. Steve Rogers is dead. And, you know, Clint's getting really pissed. And he's like, what are you going to do about it? And at this point, Iron Man looks at him. He's like, listen, man, I got, I got something to show you. They take him over to a room, and uh, you see this floating shield. And, uh, you know, at this point, Hawkeye's like, what, are you going to show me a dead body? And he's like, I'm not going to show you a dead body. And as they walk in, they go over to the floating shield, and Hawkeye's just kind of looking at like, there's something up here. And Iron Man's like, Let's, look, that's the real deal. We had two others made. They're flawed, but they'll pass inspection. One's for the Smithsonian, because the public deserves that. The other will be in the coffin. At this point, you know, Clint's like, wait a freaking second, man. Like, what the hell are you going to do with this one? And Iron Man looks at him, and he's like, you want to go take a first spin? So what you see next is on the helicarrier, Hawkeye throwing around the shield. And he's actually doing a pretty good job. And, you know, Iron Man is just staring there, looking at him like, damn. And Hawkeye looks at him, and he's like, what are you smiling about? And uh, long story short, uh, Iron Man wants Captain America. I'm sorry. He, he wants Iron Man wants Hawkeye to replace Captain America. That's that's basically it. And at this point, Clint is, uh, you know, he just made this decision like minutes after thinking he had been dead. Yeah, that's the weird part to me. Yeah, like, like it was it was just like within moments. Because not a bad choice on the surface. Yeah, but uh, I mean, it's it's just the timing is all off. And you see that because, you know, Clint looks at him and he's like, man, Steve isn't even in the ground yet. And Iron Man responds, you're right, Clint. But I mean, we're not talking about Steve. We're talking about Captain America. And Clint starts screaming. He's like, listen, man, there is no Captain America without Steve Rogers. And, uh, you know, they go on talking about, you know, Clint the first time he joined the Avengers and how he didn't always see eye to eye Captain America. But here's the great thing about Steve Rogers. Like a lot of people might not like him. But by God, people respect him from Wolverine to Hawkeye, who started as a criminal, died a hero and came back to be a hero. Uh, you know, th- these are those moments where it's like, you know, he, he was more than just another co-worker. He was more than just a friend. Captain America and Steve Rogers will always be one in the same. Yep, for sure. I mean, it's a running theme through all of the relationships we see referenced uh, to Steve Rogers. Like everyone looks at him as so much more than just a, a co-worker or an acquaintance or even just a friend. I mean, he is clearly to all of these people. He's kind of like in, in your group of friends, like the, the most respected one, the one that everyone likes, the one that no one could ever even say a bad word about because they're just 
to not just not just because they're like the best person, but because they're like, you know, everyone has that person who is just like the most respected because they they never say anything bad about somebody. You can't even make a joke about them because they're just too nice. That's the cap. Captain America is that person in this group that everyone just respects to just the, uh, the utmost degree that goes so far beyond any kind of normal, you know, co-working relationship and, and even beyond any kind of normal friendship. Yeah, I mean, this is almost like like family at that point. I know that often gets thrown around a lot and things, but like especially like the the old, like the core Avengers, like this is hitting them harder than any other death. And they've lost people. They've lost, you know, superheroes and non-superheroes alike. Like these are people who are comfortable with loss, but with Captain America being gone, it's a whole other thing. So I do like the one little part where they show like it's sort of like a a flashbackish thing where you see Hawkman and, and uh, Captain America arguing, and it's in that sort of style of artwork, like that sort of 60 style artwork. I really like that one panel. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at this point, um, you know, he's like, I, I, I can't be, I can't be Captain America. So Iron Man's like, listen, man, you, you've been Hawkeye, Goliath, and then you were back to Hawkeye again. As long as I've known you, it seems like you've always Who been the heck trying. Was, what was Goliath? I didn't understand. He went, I didn't he know went through reference. a phase where Hank Pym quit the team and uh, Scott Lang, Ant-Man was just coming in, but they wanted someone to grow super big. So uh, Clint good. Barton during, I think it was the Kree Skrull War or something like that. He took the serum and he said, I'm going to be Goliath now. And it's not his best moments yeah i imagine it's not yeah uh but iron man continues he's like as long as i've known you it's like you've been trying to find your identity who knows maybe this is the reason you came back and i've got something to show you so what you see is uh you know uh downtown you see a bad guy named firebrand he's fighting two young avengers and this will be the first time that hawkeye puts his eyes on Kate Bishop, the teenage Hawkeye as part of the new Avengers. I'm sorry, as part of the young Avengers. And the young Avengers, uh, I feel like they've been unjustly pushed out of Marvel. Uh, They had a great storyline after Avengers disassembled. Then new Avengers came in, and everyone thought that that was going to kill the young Avengers title. But, I mean, the title just kept going because it's really a great look at how legacy characters really impact uh, future generations. So you see Patriot, uh, you know, like the teenage Captain America type a hero and then you see kate bishop hawkeye uh they're they're just kicking this guy's ass and you know iron man basically brought uh you know clint over to watch patriot and kate bishop hawkeye fight um fight this fire dude firebrand because he's like listen man like look somebody's carrying on your legacy so we've already got a hawkeye so like let this be maybe your chance to pass on to somebody else and let's go ahead and uh you know maybe make you captain america so then they basically fight them and uh you know what what ends up happening is the the fight's over and um you know iron man jumps down he's like okay well i I actually have to arrest these kids because they were part of the resistance and they're being superheroes file license so just like a good cop iron man jumps down he's like come on guys you want me to arrest you we're gonna cooperate Uh, kate bishop shoots off this emp arrow disabling iron man's armor so it's one of those moments where it's like, oh, it was really nice him taking Hawkeye to go, um, you know, to go actually watch somebody. And kick. then you realize he's just being a cop. Yeah. So it, it's kind of like one of those moments where it's like, oh, it's so sweet. Then he ruins it. So Kate Bishop and um, and uh, Patriot run around. They're trying to get away from Iron Man. Suddenly, Captain America's shield hits a few walls, blocking them in this alleyway. And you see a man walk out with Captain America's uniform. And it's just really uncomfortable seeing that. 
because you already kind of know who it is. But this discomfort is and really... It, and it kind of does look like Steve Rogers just because Clint Barton is similarly similar features you know? yeah and i mean while we know it's it's clint and it's still uncomfortable it's it's kind of cool watching the dialogue between kate bishop and patriot because patriot looks at me he's like who the fuck are you supposed to be <laughs> and uh you know kate bishop is like cap is that you so he walks over and he's like who do you think i am and patriot looks at him and he's like i don't know pick a name but better not start with captain america because it ain't so you know Clint Cap looks and he's he looks at Kate Bishop. He's like, you mean like someone calling herself Hawkeye? And Kate Bishop looks at him and he's like, listen, I, I don't know how to explain why I should even I don't know why I should even have to explain myself to you, particularly when you're dressed like that. But I took his name because he died because I wanted to honor him. If Hawkeye were still alive, I'd call myself something else. But by the way, it was the real Cap who offered me that that name and the bow. And Clint just looks at her and he's like, he did. And, uh, you know, at this point, uh, Patriot steps out in front of him again. And he's like, look, we're, we're just here learning, learning to do the job. We're trying to do our best. We're, we're inspired by our heroes. We're not pretending to be them. And uh, Clint just standing in the rain. He, um, you know, they, they talk a little bit more. But at this point, it looks point, like movie rain, too. It looks like the rain is just on the three of them. Did yeah. You notice that, in the, in that one panel. Yeah. And, and, and I kind of like it. it really makes things feel isolated. And, and they keep mm-hmm. and they keep, you know, kind of kind of lecturing this guy. And Kate Bishop's like, listen, the second you put on that uniform, it's a different argument, man. You might look the part, but like I never dressed up like Hawkeye. And she makes fun of him where she's like, even when he wore the headband and skirt, that was not a good look for Hawkeye. And uh you know, at this point, you know, the, the conversation is just kind of done. Iron Man shows back up and he's like, good work, Cap. As if this is the moment where it's like, yeah, I've got my my replacement, Captain America. And, uh, I, you know, Clint Cap looks at him and he's like, no, man, we're, we're going to let them go. They stopped, and you know. Tony sucks in this issue. He sucks in a lot of things. He sucks so much. Yeah, I mean. Particularly in this, yeah, I guess all of Civil War and a lot of surrounding stories as well. Yeah, and, and at this point, uh, Clint is like, listen, they, they stopped. What's his name? We're going to go find him and put him into custody. So Iron Man, who's looking really like more the villain in this one, he's like, you don't have a complete understanding of the situation. I'm looking out for what's in their best interest. And it really is very super villain esque. Yeah, the way, the way he's talking. Yeah, and at this point, you know, Clint Cap Dr. Doom. Uh, looks at. Uh, Hawkeye and Patriot and he's like you need to leave now so Iron Man walks over to him and he's just like super bigger than him I don't know if it's a, like a scaling thing or if he did that to really make him look more uh, scary but he's like you're making a huge mistake and Clint is like it won't be my first time Tony so Tony takes off his helmet again and he's like listen man and he's like, no, you, you nearly had me, Tony. You're a charming SOB. I'll give you that. But you can't take emotion and make it sound like logic, just like how you got everyone to support this idiotic registration. So at this point, you know, he's just like, oh, we went there. Yeah, he's Ooh. just like, I'm, I'm done. And Captain America's like, he can't be done. This Captain. Because he wasn't really on a side during that because he was kind of in the background. So this is actually yeah. him taking a stand of where he stands or would have stood or what have you. Yeah. So at this point, um, you know. Iron Man is like, listen, man, this country needs a Captain America, especially now. Can't you see that soothing it for the people would be great, you know, knowing that Captain America will live on? And Clint takes off his mask. He starts taking off the costume. And he's like, people, Tony, or, or you? 
you, you don't know how to handle grief, do you, Tony? Pain, loss, grief. I mean, you, you just you just can't. So he gives Tony back the shield, gives him the mask. And, uh, you know, as Clint's walking away, he's like, uh, oh, wh- by the way, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and mail you back the flag. That's the nickname for the costume. So at this point, Clinton is basically like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it because I don't want to do it. And it's wrong for you to do it because it's just wrong. So once again, you see another former friend walk away. And Iron Man is just in this position where he's like, I've just got to let him go. So that's the end of issue three. Yeah, this was a a little bit of a change of pace from the other issues, which were, you know, more about directly about mourning. And this was more, okay, now what next? You know, at least for as far as Iron Man concerns, this this seemed more like Iron Man almost stopped giving a shit about Steve Rogers and more just was like obsessed with, okay, now I got to get a new Steve Rogers. Oh, Hawkeye's here. I guess uh, not a new Steve Rogers, but a new Captain America. Oh, Hawkeye's back. Okay. I took that. Well, anyway, I mean, there, there seemed, it seemed to so quickly gloss over the fact that, Oh my God, Hawkeye's alive. Like that's, that's almost like barely even a part of the story. And that, that seems to me like it should be a bigger deal. If you thought this other character, it almost like downplays Hawkeye. Like, you know, we're so we're mourning Captain America. Um, I should be a little more exuberant about the fact that you're alive hello no i'm not i just want to insert you as captain america so i can have this face and this person to wear wear the flag and have have this public persona of captain america out there i mean this yeah tony stark was very unlikable in this actually now that i especially upon second kind of going through the second time with you yeah i mean I, i i totally understand clint like clint is just trying to make sense of this all so when he goes with it i think he's just trying to really understand whether or not it's right for him or not but Iron Man really trying to force this on people and still act like he can just be in control of everything, director of S.H.I.E.L.D. or not, um, he's just he, he's not taking it well. And we've already seen Iron Man in issue one, two and three of this. And uh, he's the person who is having probably the worst time processing this. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So now we're on to issue four. Issue four is a little bit faster. I have to say issue four is my favorite. Not just because it has Spider-Man, one of my favorite heroes, but because it it really goes into what I think is the more uh, misunderstood thing. And I don't want to get too like too red pilled here or anything, but I think I, I do honestly believe that there's a, a mental health crisis in this country, and that for a lot of men, it's something that people don't like to talk about. So having issue four be the topic of depression and seeing it through the lens of Peter Parker, Spider-Man. Uh, at least for me, w- you know, kind of reading through this as both a child and as a as an adult, it, uh, it it's one of those things where it's like, listen, it's it happens to everybody, real and fictional, and for it to be Spider Man going through this, uh, I, I think it was done in in good taste, and uh, we'll we'll kind of proceed from there. Any any thoughts before we jump into this one? Uh, I mean, I have thoughts about this one. I, I guess I'll just say that I, I I was not familiar with the work of David Finch, really. He's the artist of this book, and uh, I am now a big fan and want to see more from him because I, I I think I I really love the art in this issue. Um, it's just it's badass. I don't know how else to say it. Like his depiction of Rhino, uh, which we'll see. I mean, th- this one splash page of Rhino is freaking amazing. Like this art kind of just blew me away because I, ha- I hadn't really maybe I've seen his work before I'm sure I probably have somewhere but I hadn't put the name to it if I had so um, that's just like my initial impressions of this issue yeah so what I like about issue forwards is it's more of a monologue but they have these really big splash pages so you see Spider-Man still in the black suit he's at a cemetery and he's looking at the graves of his parents 
And it's so appropriate that he's in the black suit. I mean, maybe it just yeah. worked because of where they happen to be in the Spider-Man storyline, but it really works for this scene. No, oh, it's it, it's this is probably the best artwork of the series. I, I will say that. So you see him in this storm. It's raining. And I'll actually go ahead and read some of the monologues for this. Uh, they say the true legacy of a hero is based on the lives he saves. Knowing me, my legacy will be judged by the lives I lost. And that's what I always love about Spider-Man. He's kind of like Batman in a way, but he's different. He's always got great monologues. Yeah, like with, with Spider-Man, like he's he's typically the happy-go-lucky joke-cracking guy, but there's a lot of there, there's a lot of pain to Spider-Man's journey from when he first appeared losing Uncle Ben to what we'll get to see here more. And, um, you know, later he goes over to the grave of Gwen Stacy, but I'll, I'll just go ahead and do this. And uh, he basically continues. He's like, I mean, that, that's how I became Spidey, right? I was either too stupid or too lazy to stop that burglar from robbing a place. And that turned out he killed my Uncle Ben, the only real father I ever, I've ever known. My parents, Uncle Ben, Harry Osborn, Captain Stacy, Gwen, and now Captain America is dead. Even though I didn't have anything directly to do with it, I know the role I played in leading up to everything that made, and I made it worse. So, you know, he, he goes and stands in front of Uncle, ben, Uncle Ben's grave, and he's like, Uncle Ben, he, he told me there would be days that are hard that will test me, but I, I don't I don't think I can do it anymore. And like, there's a lot of rain in this scene, but you actually see genuine tears falling off of Spider-Man's face. And just this whole like two page spread. I mean, I don't know if you know, this is Mark BC Wolverine in the background kind of lurking because this takes place. Right. I had not noticed yep. that. Oh, I do see it now. Yeah. yeah. Underneath I didn't the, even notice underneath that. Underneath the angel swings. Yeah. That's him because this takes place moments after the end of issue two when Wolverine's that like, very goes, subtle. But yeah. Now that I see him. I see yeah. Him. And I think yeah. it's perfect that way. Cause I hadn't noticed it the first time either, but, uh, but anyway, um, Spider-Man spider sense starts going off and he's like, ah, oh, shit, not here, not now. And, uh, you know, he, he runs over to this other guy in a trench coat. And he's like, I know I ain't come to see you as much as I should, but things are real bad right now. He doesn't know who he's talking to or not. So um, Spider-Man just comes over and he realizes it's Rhino. So he goes and he punches Rhino. And, you know, the thing about By this. By the way, that's like this assault. Rhino wasn't doing anything. Yeah. He it, was just there. Yeah. At the, at the, at the uh yeah. yeah. And what's difficult about this scene is that you, you see Rhino was obviously there to put flowers on a grave. You see a bouquet of flowers fall out. He's, he's as surprised as anyone. He didn't know Spider-Man was there. So does Rhino always have that outfit on 24 seven? He's stuck to it. So how does he, I, I don't know, but there's a way there's (laughs) a way because comics moving on basically. Uh, so Spider-Man basically starts the fight and, you know, Rhino is screaming, but this isn't just like a, a regular rage. He's, a, he, he's, he's sad. And he's like, what are you doing here? Why can't you leave me alone? It kind of sounds strange for a bad guy. And, uh, you know, Spider-Man's webbing. He, he's not the bad guy. here. Yeah. He's, he's not the bad guy here. And, uh, you know, Spider-Man webs him in the face and shit. He's like, what, you're going to act like this is a big coincidence that we're both in a cemetery at night in the rain. And, you know, Rhino's just looking at him screaming. He's like, what the hell? What? What, what the hell are you talking about? Like, n- no, nobody ever knows what I'm talking about, Spider-Man says. And he keeps going. And he's like, in fact, I'll just do the talking for both of us. At least that way I'll be amused. And as they're fighting, uh, Rhino steps back on the tombstone of the grave he was visiting. And uh, what you see is that on the text it says, Mother. And Rhino looks down. He's like, look what you made me do. 
I will kill you. He made him break his mother's grave. I mean, that is, that's messed up. Yeah, so at this point, right. you know, I don't think Spidey knows. The reader knows. But Rhino just starts going full berserk. He's even a full-page spread. That's an awesome uh, – yeah, I mean, it's it's great uh, Finch right there. And he's like, I will kill you for this. And what's, what's crazy is it's really interesting to see how real – deep emotions look in certain comics i think uh, manga usually does it somewhat well but a bit exaggerated but you see not only steam come out of rhino's nose but you see like wa- like rivers of tears coming out of his eyes as he's you throwing spider-man through anger and not just like i'm mad anger like emotional hurt rage yeah and, uh, you know, at this point, he's he's beating the shit out of Spidey. And he's like, I was visiting my mother. I just wanted to be left alone. I came out here in the middle of the night not bothering anybody. Why couldn't you leave me alone? And, and you see, uh, you know, Spider-Man's kind of losing it. His fight with Rhino reminds him of a fight with uh, the Hulk. And the Hulk is saying some of the things that Spider-Man, that, the, that Rhino said. He's like, I just want to be left alone. And Spider-Man's like, it was like the first or second time I went up against the Hulk. Stupid me. But the Hulk was tearing up. New York and somebody had to stop him uh, you know the Hulk wanted to be rescued so badly just to get out of there alive and you know at this point um, you, you see uh, you see the fight going on and Spider-Man is just trying to remember like this reminds me of something this is almost too weird and basically in that flashback to the Hulk fighting Spider-Man this is another time when Captain America saved him so you get to see this dual artwork on here where it's like you see Black Suit Spidey and Rhino now, but like right behind it, you see this flashback of a better time in Spidey's life. And, uh, you know, at this point, Spider-Man, he's this one page where they show like Rhino and then he is kind of like transforming into the Hulk in Peter's mind. And then you see Captain America intervening. And it's all as the flashback all in one panel that kind of blends the present and the flashback but it's all in one panel it's it's that's it's amazing yeah it, it is it is so good and i mean the artwork throughout is is excellent but uh the next whole page is spider-man starting to realize you know maybe i was i was the one that caused this so he has to fight rhino just <laughs> yeah, because man, no he's kidding. yeah he obviously did it but uh you know you see you see spider-man going throughout it and he eventually beats rhino you know webs him up and stuff by the way, Spider-Man should be arrested for this. Like, he assaulted a man who is doing nothing more than mourning at his mother. At uh, I mean, I, I understand the circumstances. It's emotional time for everybody. I'm just saying. Yeah, uh, so... I mean, this guy's been knocked unconscious, and all he did was mourn his mother. It's terrible. Anyway, yeah, I, 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 I want to get to it, because we're going to tie it up really nice here. But you see, uh, Wolverine walks out, having watched the fight, and he's like, looks like you handled that, eventually. I like how Wolverine's just chilling through the whole fight, too. Yeah. Like, doesn't even consider intervening. And, and this is where it just gets kind of... You know, kind of all over the place because Spider-Man looks at him. He's like, "Well, I'm glad you enjoyed the show. Why'd you even follow me?" And Wolverine's like, "No reason." And Spider-Man, you know, quips back. He's like, "Well, leave me the hell alone." And I mean, this is Spider-Man that we don't often see elsewhere. This is probably one of the more unique cases of Spider-Man. And uh, you know, you see Spider-Man. He's on he's on a rooftop somewhere, and he knows that Wolverine's been find them been following him. So he's like, "You just can't take no for an answer, huh?" And Wolverine looks at him. He's like, "Listen, man, you you, you have I say listen, man, a lot. Wow, I'm gonna start counting that. Um, you had a rough night. I'm just making sure you got home, okay? Look, I, I know what you're going through." And Spider-Man screams at him. He's like, "You have no idea what I'm going through." And then you see a pan out, and they're at the Brooklyn Bridge where. 
Gwen Stacy was murdered. And then you see on this other double page spread, you see the past and the future colliding earlier. You see in the rain, Spider-Man and Wolverine there. And Wolverine's like, I'm sorry, Spider-Man's like, you have no idea. And as Spider-Man is looking off in the distance, he sees the day that uh, Gwen Stacy died. And, uh, you know, it's it, it's one of it's one of the most tragic moments. So, uh, you know, they're, they're talking some more and Wolverine's like, what, this is where your dead girlfriend died? And Spider-Man just breaks down his knees. He's like, why am I doing this? If Cap can die, like he, he's just having a breakdown. And uh, Wolverine looks at him. He's like, when when Cap was putting together the new Avengers, your name came up. A few of us thought you weren't the right fit, that you weren't Avengers material. But Cap laid down the law. He told us how how, how he told us all how you save the day over and over without taking credit, how you made how, how you had the stuff of heroes. And we didn't want you. We couldn't. Uh, and, and if we didn't want you, he couldn't have him. I, I mean, if Captain America says you can do your job, who are we to argue? And, uh, you know, Spider-Man comes up and he's just like, listen, man, I, I don't think I've ever met anybody who's more full of shit than you. And he's just continuing <laughs> to scream and scream and scream. And uh, oh, he called him out because well, he's like, wait a minute. Because I was actually getting like, oh, Wolverine's so nice here. He, that's, that's amazing for him to tell him that. And then uh, Spider-Man's like, wait, you weren't even in the Avengers yet. I came on first. So uh, you made that shit up, man. What the fuck? He didn't say what the fuck. I yeah. But but anyway, they, they just keep kind of bickering. And at this point, Wolverine takes off his mask. And he's like, you want to know why it's called depression? Because it's depressing. A death isn't like losing a job or getting divorced. You don't get over it. You have to integrate it in your life, learn to live with it. But life does get better. And Spider-Man looks down. He's like, someday. And Wolverine says, best you can hope for. And Spider-Man, you know, shoots a web and uh, swings off. He says to himself, someday. So that's the end of issue four. Uh, this is my favorite issue. This is my favorite issue of the series. So far, it's my... I, I still like issue two overall the best, I think. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I, this is a close second. I really enjoyed this one, too. Yeah, I mean, I think Spider-Man is the most human of any superhero ever. Because that's how he was I will say this is the best art, though, to me. This is the best art of any issue. Yeah. So, uh, no, I mean, that one... With, with Rhino, I, I feel like, you know, we've been painting... Iron Man has been painted to be the villain throughout... And the Spider-Man's just been kind of like mean, sulking and stuff. But like that scene where he attacks Rhino and causes him to, um, you know, step on his own mother's tombstone, breaking it. I, I feel like it would have been more anger. But I mean, you see it throughout. Like Spider-Man is not able to process any of this. He's not even thinking right. You know, with anger, they were they were focused, but they were using their emotions in the wrong way. Even though some of them were fighting bad guys, the level of violence they were using and how they were fighting with each other verbally just wasn't cool. So for Spider-Man to just kind of be in this manic state, uh, it's it's just something you don't often see anywhere, even in main Spider-Man comics. Spider-Man in general, I, I particularly like moments when, especially because he is the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, always making jokes and, and, and quips and this sort of thing. Uh, it really stands out when there is a storyline or a situation where he does get unhinged. Uh, I thought also back to, uh, I don't like to think too much about Maximum Carnage, but back to Maximum Carnage, there's the one scene where everybody's just losing their shit and he's like, and then he starts losing shit too. He's like, God damn it, I'm Spider-Man. And he's just like, rah! And then and you're like, oh my God, what are you doing? So it, it always really stands out uh, when Spider-Man just completely loses his shit on people. That happens 
a couple different times in this series. Both both times, well, I guess once with Rhino, but like twice with Wolverine uh, in two different issues. But uh, it really just goes to show the depth of the way that this death is affecting people. This is more than the the, the death of, you know anyone remotely regular because you know Captain America affected everybody's lives uh, he was admired by regular people and then the people that knew him admired him even more because to him to them he was more than just this hero to them he's like a truly uh, almost like Superman the powers are sort of irrelevant at the end of the day like the powers are what gets him to be a superhero I suppose but it's the, the character of the man exactly yeah, and that's that's always been the case. We talked about this a lot uh, about Superman. Uh, you know, I think it was way back in episode four, and it's it's somewhat similar with Captain America. I would say in the sense that absolutely everybody respects him, and it has nothing to do with his specific sort of heroic acts. All of these heroes do heroic acts. All of them have saved people and saved the earth and saved the day time and time again. Uh, but it's really just it speaks to the the character of the human being uh in the in, in the case of you know superman the the alien i guess you would say but it's really about the character of the person not about their specific the specific actions that they take they take necessarily yeah and if we thought that iron man was the bad guy throughout this one will definitely make you a little bit sympathetic for him issue five the last issue of fallen sun acceptance so now we're at the fifth stage of uh of mourning and uh, what you see in this issue is you see a flag-draped coffin being carried by horse and carriage. As people line the streets of Washington, D.C., they're obviously taking him to Arlington Cemetery. It looks very uh, Kennedy-esque. It looks very much like the funeral procession for, um, for JFK. And as they eventually show up to Arlington National Cemetery, you see a giant statue of Captain America. And you see some of his friends uh, who are who are pallbearers. You see the thing, uh, Rick Jones, Miss Marvel, Black Panther, uh, Iron Man. I mean, it's, uh, for, for all of them to be there. I mean, uh, the thing was neutral during the civil war. Rick Jones wasn't even mentioned. T'Challa fought basically both sides, but eventually she wound up on the side of the resistance, but he's a King. So he gets diplomatic immunity. You have Miss Marvel who feels bad for the role she played. And then you have Iron Man who the last time he saw Captain America, they were beating each other's face in. So you see this giant procession. What's crazy about it, Mark? I don't know if you can zoom in on your, on your iPad, but like, if you look at the, okay. if you look at the, the umbrellas here like it, it's a sea of people and they didn't yeah. have to do it wow. that way but this this is just one of those scenes where it's like you feel so small when you look at the artwork they really went into the detail yeah when i when i zoom in like there's literally they've drawn thousands of these umbrellas yeah that's pretty impressive so they go ahead and they take uh captain america's coffin up to the foot of the statue and they're about to hold a procession for him uh, I mean, a funeral service for him. So at this point, you see somebody say, our first speaker today is Mr. Tony Stark. And Tony shows up, and he, he can't even he, he can't even talk. So the thing looks over at uh, Johnny Storm right there, and he's like, you think he's drunk? And he's like, oh, not talk about bad form. So you see Tony, and he just kind of looks into the crowd, and he says, it, 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 it was not supposed to be this way. And he <laughs> walks away. I love thing rolling his eyes. Yeah, he just, he just completely walks away so i mean it would be we it would be awkward for anybody that had to fight captain america but a lot of people even though they know that iron man was not the person who killed him they basically all treat him like he killed him 
So you see uh, Sam Wilson. They blame him for the circumstances that led to Captain America turning himself in, which happens to be when he died, which are not really related events, but in the eyes of everybody, they are. Yeah. So you see uh, Sam Wilson, the Falcon, come up, and he's like, Good morning, I'm Sam Wilson. Most of you know me as Falcon. I've been asked to say a few words about Steve Rogers. Folks called him Captain America, Cap, Winghead. Once or twice he was Nomad, and believe it or not, Cap Wolf. But I got to call him partner. I take great pride in it. I see Rick Jones out there. He knows what I'm talking about. And you see Rick Jones, who's really an underrated character. I, I like I like Rick Jones. I wish he, I wish he would be around more often. But uh, it goes back to Sam, and he's like, the, the truth didn't matter. It, the truth is it didn't matter what we called him because it all began and ended with Steve Rogers. He did more than wear a flag. He believed in all that things it, he believed in all the things it stood for and he actively worked to inspire men women and children to be the heroes he knew they could be i speak from experience trapped on an island with no chance of survival that's we're talking about the origin of the falcon way under back in the 70s uh steve rogers made me dig deep within myself to find that i could become the falcon and in the next page, you see this kind of flashback of the Falcon. And his, I love his like seventies outfit. It's yeah. so it's so <laughs> cheesy. It's actually interesting. It's it's actually perfect. Yeah, but but he continues, and I promise I won't read the entire dialogue. But this is just a good speech he gives. He says, "More than any super soldier serum that had been pumped into his veins, Steve's real power came from the lives that he touched in the decades he was with us. People of all different ages and all different walks of life. And now I'd like to show you something unique about the man. I'd like to talk. I'd like those of you who served with Steve in World War II to please stand up." Uh, I know some of you young heroes think that was a thousand years ago. And in this panel, you see the Young Avengers, Patriot, uh, Kate Bishop, Wiccan, and Vision. And they're looking around, and they see a whole bunch of old men, and Sam Wilson goes, but it wasn't for those soldiers. And you see a lot of them standing up. And this is just one of those kind of surreal moments. Then he goes to those howling commandos, and you see Dum Dum Dugan. And uh, Wilson continues, those he saved from the horrors of, of war. And you zoom in on this woman and you see her. You see she's not wearing uniform, but she's old. And you zoom in on her arm and you see a serial number tattooed on her wrist, signifying she's a Holocaust survivor. This really felt like a scene from a movie. Like this could have been if, if there had been a death of Captain America in the movie. Like it, this is what the scene would feel like. It's very Schindler's List, but in a good way, in a good way. Um, I kind of, I kind of, this kind of side note. I kind of wish they did this one in black and white. Yeah, I was thinking that too. I mean, they had did a good job of of making it, of giving it like a, I want to call it lighting. It's obviously not lighting, yeah. but sort of a, a dreary gray shade. The, to the it shading, the yeah, rain and yeah, but um, yeah, shading, yeah, but um, yeah, black and white would have been perfect. Yeah. Would have been perfect. Actually, I mean, the next page that you get two page spread of Cap in World War Two, and he's just busting up Nazis. And what you notice is the woman who was standing at the funeral, she's actually in this scene. She's in the bottom right corner. You see her on her knees after a, a, an explosion has happened. Oh. Some other guy's lifting her up. Because, because see, he, that's a detail I did not notice. Yeah, yeah it's the same serial number. Yep, right on her wrist. So what's great about these scenes is that you get to see these flashbacks from all the different eras of Captain America. Uh, then finally, he's like, thank you. Uh, if you'll please remain standing, I'd like those of you who were superheroes from those days and their families to join you by standing up. And you see, uh, I, I, they, I wish they had said it because the, the, the black gentleman you see standing in the in the rain with, uh, I have no clue who that person is, but I know that's Union Jack right there. That's 
that was the that was the black Captain America. That's actually Patriot's grandfather. He was I part. I had no idea that either. So quick, quick fact. That's why you're here? Quick fact. Uh, the Tuskegee experiments, which were real, were basically experiments to create super soldiers, and they used black soldiers to do it. That's a real thing that happened. Uh, but in the comics, he was part of the Tuskegee experiments, and he was. He was Captain America for a little bit because at one point no one actually knew if Captain America was real. They were giving out Captain America comic books as propaganda. So he made his own Captain America suit. And eventually, years later, that would inspire Patriot to take up his own superheroics. Uh, but anyway, uh, as well as those of you who have long since given up the cape or mask, uh, you see, even before they were Avengers, T- Steve touched the lives of the invaders and brought about the all-winner squad. Sadly, some of those closest to him are no longer with us. The original Human Torch, Toro, the Wizard, the Wizard, Miss America, Bucky Barnes. Uh, although I never heard him speak of it, Steve always knew he'd live long past the men and women he came to care to f- he, he came to care for and love. And I'm getting kind of teary. I'm sorry. I always get kind of emotional with this one. The next page, you see Cap and the invaders beating the shit out of Red Skull Nazis and Baron Zemo. I just love these flashback scenes. And they're perfect because there's no, you know, it goes from this the long dialogue uh, from Steve Wilson just to a single splash page, no dialogue. And it just, I think the contrast, and it's always really bright as opposed to that dreary sort of grayish shading of the funeral scene. So I think the contrast, again, works so well here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the next part is probably one of the most, I, I could hear the music from Captain America, the first Avenger in my head almost. Uh, Steve, I'm sorry, Sam continues. It was near the end of World War II when the world heard the news. Captain America and Bucky were killed, stopping a plane loaded with Nazi explosives headed towards London, the, the Zemo jet. Um, imagine there are some folks here who knew the loss we are feeling today from back then. It was a miracle, really, that Cap would live again. And as unbelievable as it sounds, Steve was found frozen in a block of ice. And uh, it pans over to Miss Marvel and Captain America. And Miss Marvel looks at him and she's like, how well do you remember that day, Tony? And Tony says, this is the greatest day of my life. And uh, I have to include it because it's such a mood killer. But you look out in the audience and you see Yellow Jacket and his ex-wife, uh, the Wasp. And Yellow Jacket's like, hey, Janet, do you think Miss Marvel and Iron Man are having a?" And she's like, Hank. And he's like, what? And she's like, shut up. And he's sorry. I can tell you. It was a joke in the comics, but Miss Marvel and him never had a thing. But uh, anyway, Sam continues. We all owe Prince Namor, the Submariner, who could not be with us today with things being how they are, a gr- uh, debt of gratitude for the role he played in bringing us back. What is that referring to? This is referring – so Namor was the one that pulled Captain America out of the block of ice. No, but what is it? why couldn't he be there because of things being how they are? Oh, because at this point... he had just showed up to defeat those like sea creatures, and that was no problem. Yeah, but he really didn't want to have anything to do with them, because he blamed uh, he, he blamed the superhuman civil war for causing things to become worse under, uh, under seas. And that's a whole other thing. There was a whole Atlantean element to civil war that wasn't big, but it's a whole different mess itself that would take us on a whole different tangent, trust me. All right. A future podcast. Future perhaps. podcast. So anyway, you see uh, another flashback, full page of... Namor bring Captain America out of the block of ice. And, uh, you know, at this point, um, you know, he just continues to call on more people. You see more heroes. You even see Jarvis, the Avengers loyal butler. And uh, as he's starting to wrap up the speech, you see uh, he says heroes, friends who wanted to be here for whatever reason, who felt they couldn't. You see the new Avengers, they're hiding out in their, you know, secret lair. And, uh, you know, they're all like, 
they're mad because they can't be there. They're sad because they're watching and they're mad that they can't be there. And Spider-Man just, you know, he, he just quips again. He's like, we should have gone. And Logan's like, right. So they could arrest us there on the spot. And Miss Marvel's like, well, maybe you could negotiate a truce. I mean, it's Steve we're talking about. And Iron Fist is like, listen, we couldn't take a chance. And Luke Cage jumps in and he says, yeah, we'd turn his funeral into even more of a damn circus. So Spider-Man still looking out the window, still grieving. He just says, well, I still think we should have gone. And, uh, you know, as the as the panel ends, we see the end of uh, Sam Wilson's speech. It's a lot. It's a lot of dialogue. But the rain it's like speech of the year here. man. Yeah, it's like the. the well, I, I have to read it uh, now. Now, look around. I mean, you've come this far. Yeah. You may as well. Now, look around you. Kind of amazing, isn't it? How we usually see the differences between us separated by nationality, by color, by religion. And yet here we all are connected. Steve Rogers, that skinny blonde-haired kid who grew up on the streets of New York, showed us the ideals of the American dream. The great melting pot that can be brought out by the best of us and bind us all together actually works. And he can keep teaching us long after he's gone by telling stories about him to our children, to our grandchildren. Steve Rogers, Captain America, will never die. And I've got... I've got chills going up my arm because I read this and you look at the scene, uh, lights coming down from the sky, the rain is off, and they just put so much detail. You can see a sea of faces. Yeah, it's really a, a beautifully done uh, a piece of artwork. There. Yeah, I, I keep wanting to say beautiful shot. Like it looks, it looks, it, it looks, looks like, like a, a photo scene from a movie. Yeah, I mean it really does. Yeah. Um. Anyway, the the issue ends and it's uh, it takes us to see the Quinjet in somewhere in the Arctic and it says three days later and you see Iron Man walk out of a jet with Yellow Jacket and, um, and Wasp and Wasp is like I can't believe we're doing this and Wasp and Yellow Jacket's like well I can't it's pure Tony Stark and you see this hovering coffin also come out of the Quinjet and he's like it's not about me I truly believe this is what Steve would have wanted the funeral in Arlington was for the public Steve Rogers deserves to rest in peace and uh, Wasp was like, wait, so who's buried in Arlington? A clone? And, you know, we were making fun of clones a few issues ago. And Iron Man's like, clones are stupid. And she's like, what? Like one of those life model decoy things? And he's like, something like that. And then she continues and she's like, what about his shield? If it's not the Smithsonian, it's not Arlington. It's buried with him there, with him now. And uh, Iron Man just cuts her off. And he's like, I'd like to begin, Janet. He takes off his helmet and he begins to eulogize. He's like, Steve. There are things I wanted to say in front of everyone at Arlington, but I couldn't bring myself to it. I know that if our roles were reversed, you could have. If, God forbid, the funeral had been for someone else, you would have helped me through it. I want us all to be here today. The Hulk, Thor, Scarlet Witch, Hawkeye, your teammates, your friends. They, they, they all are, one way or another, lost to us. And now I've lost you, too. Maybe there was a reason you had to be on the other side of every argument. How how could you you how you could have been my rudder steering me when others couldn't? I don't know if I can do it without you. I certainly won't do it as well. And I miss your battle cry. And then we see an amazing spread of the original Avengers and Captain America screaming Avengers assemble. And uh, you know, the Wasp and Janet are crying, and suddenly from the water off the ice, you see the Submariner pop up and. Uh, he was invited, apparently, and he talks about the tensions between Atlantis and the surface world. And he's like, um, it was here that, you know, Captain America once found solitude. And I agree of Stark that we should complete the cycle. As I swear to you, as long as I rule these oceans, Steve Rogers will go undisturbed. 
and you see the coffin go into the water and Namor lowers it down. Uh, Janet looks at Iron Man and she says, well, one era ends and a new one begins and we're going to have to accept that right now. I mean, we're going to have to accept that now, right, Tony? And then you see Iron Man just staring at the coffin. It descends lower and uh, she's like, Tony, are you listening? And you see the coffin just gets smaller and smaller and smaller as it lowers into the blackness. And uh, that's that. This almost felt like almost like it was the reasoning behind showing Tony is such a dick in the other, the other episodes, uh, other episodes. There I go again, Remzo issues, episodes, episode issues, why Tony was such a dick in the other issues. Cause now you can see that like inside, he really is as broken as everyone else. He's just dealing with it in a different way. He is dealing with it by just taking charge and trying to you know take care of the mission and trying to do this and that. But finally you see like he couldn't even speak at the funeral and you know, he is, he is maybe even more deeply affected by this than everybody else that we've seen. Uh, so outwardly effective up until this point. Yeah. And I mean, while, while Iron Man was certainly not the hero or really the protagonist anyone wanted to see throughout, uh, the, the trick about this is Tony literally goes through all five stages of grief. Yeah. And that's what makes it more impactful through the end, because you might not like him. You might not agree with him. But, man, you understand him. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. you know, this is and this uh, wasn't the, the best. Ep- <laughs> What are they called issues. again? Episodes, issues. Title. This wasn't the best issue, but it was the it was it served as the fitting conclusion, uh, and and it I think it was a, a perfect summary, a perfect way to wrap everything up. Yeah, I, I think each uh, vignette in each issue accomplished it all, and uh, I mean, I get I get choked up that that issue, that funeral, and that scene in the Arctic where you just see his coffin go down. Like man, it uh. It's 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 this type of storytelling that I miss from Marvel. Mm-hmm. I really miss this from Marvel. But uh, if they had never brought back Captain America, Steve Rogers, I would have been okay with it. And it, 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 this almost makes you wish they didn't, because it's such a perfect send off. And especially seeing the the kind of stories they've done with Captain America since then, and now the fact that he's faded away in the movies as well, in a, in a sort of a different way, uh, you know. Did we really give it? Did we? Wouldn't we be a fine place if this Steve Rogers character had never come back? I mean, what what did he really do in the comics that was ever nearly as good as these as these stories? I mean, Agreed. since then, yeah, I mean, nothing. I, I can't name anything. I mean, I, turned evil, like became a Hydra agent that wasn't really a Hydra agent that maybe was and maybe wasn't. So, and the reality was, was changed so and it was a different stupid. Captain America. I mean. Yeah, there's been nothing memorable for him to come back with. And I had never read these issues before. I'd, I'd read Civil War and read the death of Captain America and uh, some of the fallout. And I also read a lot of uh, Brubaker's Captain America, which is fantastic uh, from, from that time period. Uh, but I had never read this particular series. And this made me feel like, man, this this should have been the end. I mean, this really should have been the end. This is like a very fitting end to this character. Yeah. Um this is, but it's yeah, because it's comics. Yeah, I mean, it's they. they what, what I get is they didn't have to do this, but I'm happy they did. This is not one of those. Oh, you must read it, comics. But this is one of those comics that that once you read it, it stands out forever. 
Yeah, it really made me think a lot of Funeral for a Friend Superman, the, after Su- the death of Superman had a, a very similar feel. Um, and I haven't read that in many, many years. So that's something that I want to go back to. Uh, this kind of dovetails into, I guess, a preview of, of next episode uh, where we we'll, we'll actually will be looking at the death of Superman. Um, so I guess this is kind of death month month for us. Death in a way. December. Uh, de- December. De- December. December. Yeah. December. I, I December. December. There we I go. I approve. It's like Mike Tyson saying December. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. So we have a, uh, oh, should we preview the whole month while we're at it? Or should we, we should probably, let's, uh, let, 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 let's go ahead and review. One thing at a yeah, time. Let's go ahead and review this. I, uh, it, it's hard for issues like this. It had one writer. It was Jeff, it was Jeff Loeb throughout, but they had all the different artists. I think, uh, because they knew that this was going, well, they thought this was going to be it. They thought this was really going to be it. I think they all, I think they pulled all their, all their best tricks out. I'm going to give the artwork by all five artists a five. I really think wow. I, I really, really believe that this was the, some of the best work that all these men have done. And, uh, I'm going to give the, the story, uh, a, th- a f- I'm to give it a three and a half because I think Loeb did a good job, but you know, I, I think he doesn't do character separation as well. I think a lot of the characters kind of sound like each other in between issues uh, two and three with uh, the Mighty and New Avengers uh, dealing with anger and then Clint Barton with Bargain. Um, they're just not they, – they just kind of feel like filler in between. I really think uh, issue one, four, and five are probably the, the big key ones. And, uh, you know, I, I think I'll give it a three and a half because of that. So my total score for this episode out of 10 is an 8.5. Interesting. We might. OK, well, I'll get us there instead of uh, spoiling the end. Um, I I also really liked the art throughout, despite, you know, it being five different artists. Uh, I'm not going to be like you and giving a five. That, that's fair. That, that blew me away. But uh, I, I mean, I. Especially, I mean, I'm a huge John Romita Jr. fan. Uh, David Finch's issue was incredible. Uh, I really like John Cassidy in this last issue as well. Uh, didn't love. I don't love the the style of Ed McGinnis as much, who did the the third issue, I believe. It, it just I like how too... he draws women. I'll say that. Well, I, I can't complain about that, <laughs> but a little too cartoony, I guess, for for my taste, which is a funny thing to say about a comic book. But uh, you know, I think you know what yeah. I mean when I say that. Um, but I mean, it's not bad by any means. The art does uh, not I, match I would... the tone. No matter yeah, how he I think, tries I think that's to make my issue it there. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, as for an issue about anger and, and yeah, it just, it doesn't fit the book that, that particular art, but that's just one issue. So I can't not going to knock it down a whole point, but I, I'm, I'm going to give the overall art a four. I think the art is, is very good across the board. That's fair. Um, yeah, I think that's very fair. And I'm going to give the story. However, I'm going to give the story uh, a four and a half. So we're going to end up at the same place for different reasons. Uh, interestingly enough, because I thought this is so well done. I mean, I don't want to go as far as saying perfect, because so I didn't. I would gave it a four point five no. instead of a five. But I, I thought every issue, like I said, the only the only parts that I really didn't find that interesting in this entire series. But even that that part, I f- I see the purpose for it was when uh, it's kind of the mighty Avengers section of issue two when there's kind of going back and forth between that and the uh, the poker game with the new Avengers. But I still saw the purpose of it. You know, I yeah. I, I saw the purpose of, of showing us that contrast. Uh, even if I, I wish the art might have showed us that contrast a little bit more stylistically from those two scenes. Uh, that's like my biggest issue with that issue is that the art 
you know, it feels kind of the same. It doesn't really feel have, have a different tone between, even though this is actually my favorite issue. Uh, I, I just, cause I really just love the entire poker scene. I just, it just, just anytime that superheroes feel human and it makes sense and it's not forced. Uh, I just, you know, they feel like real people. Like this could have not had anything to do with the superhero story. If it, if you just pulled out all the mighty Avenger stuff, this could have been about any well-respected friend dying. And that, that's right. I love so much about that issue. So, uh, and, but every issue struck, you know, you know, kind of hit with me in, in some way or another, um, for, from a writing perspective. So I, I, I really didn't know what to expect from this. I'd never read these before and uh, I, I really found myself liking it a lot. Uh, so yeah, I'm giving the, the writing a 4.5, the art a, a four. So eight and a half each, uh, for, for somewhat different uh, reasons. 17 out of 20 for this book, I think is the perfect rating. All right. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, th- this is not, an issue that is like essential reading. It's not something that uh, you you have to have, but I think if you really want to diversify your collection and pull out something which is just really good, it's a time capsule because of where it fell in comics and stuff like that. And uh, there have been many superhero deaths, but uh, you know, with Captain America, this explores things in a way that I. I have not seen anywhere else. And at least for me as a fan, this is one reason why I love comics because I read this book when I'm not doing great. I read this book when I am going through rough times and I need to pull myself out of it. But, uh, every time I've ever picked it up, I always feel better afterwards for having processed it. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I really do love this series. And I, I can't even imagine, uh, you know, as you described in the beginning of the episode, episode, yeah, it is an episode. There you yeah, go. Did it? Uh, what you were going through at the time that you picked this up? I mean, this this must have been like better than any therapy. Actually, maybe not better. I'm, I'm sure in person therapy is helpful too. But I mean, it, seeing this progression and these issues must have just been so so helpful to you. It was. I mean, there. I, I, I bet if I look closely enough, I, I'll be completely honest. You'll probably see some tear marks on the pages. I mean, uh, this is it, I, I've never written like a letter to a writer or anything, but I always thought like if I'm ever going to get a chance to meet Jeff Loeb or if I have a chance to like shoot him an email or a tweet or something, I would say, hey, uh, fallen son, the death of Captain America, uh, you, you did impact my life by writing that. You really did. Uh, and for the better. Maybe at an in-person convention someday. Maybe. It does become a thing again. Once in the near future. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, as we wrap up here, I think since we kind of teased it a little bit, I think we may as well do something we haven't really done in the past and just tease the rest of the month. Bring because it. It wasn't really part of the plan, but it kind of worked out that we can kind of call it a theme month, I guess. So I guess we'll call it December, right? It, it works. <laughs> uh, we, you know, we had today's uh, issue linking Captain America, of course, uh, last week. Actually, that doesn't really add up because, well, I guess he could count the the max. What was? Is there a death in the max? Of course, there is. Mister Gone is killing people in the very first issue. So sure, uh, people die in the max. There you go. That's the time. Boom. Uh, but uh, next week we're going to be looking at the death of Superman. Uh, obviously, one of the the most iconic events and one of the most uh, probably the the biggest mainstream comic book ever. event that has ever take, ever taken place. I mean, no doubt about it. Like I remember being a kid and my parents were like, "Hey, did you hear Superman's dying?" I'm like, "This is so strange." Like it's on NBC News at night. It's like, what's going on here? Uh, that just blew my mind. So we're gonna finally be looking at that at that series. 
Uh, and then let's see. After that, when we toss things back to Remzo, we'll be looking at DC's Flashpoint. Of course, uh, that whole thing centers around a certain Scarlet Speedster going back in time to prevent a death, which of course leads to a lot more death and even the death of universes and such. Uh, and then at the end of the month, when we toss it back to me, I will be uh, looking at uh, the basically the the comic series that was the basis for the huge, huge, huge Avengers movies of Infinity War and Endgame. I'll be looking at Infinity Gauntlet, which is when Thanos actually gets that gauntlet in the comics and uses it to kill just about. That was everybody. a murder fest. That is, I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm a psychopath that is saying I can't wait to get to some of these death scenes, but I can't wait to get some of these death scenes because they some are, are some of the metal. most like. It's yeah. I mean, as metal as death can get, you're gonna see it. So, uh, welcome to December, folks. I know it's not really what we usually think about at the holiday season, but we are where we are. Live with us in the moment. There you go. Well, as always, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all the places at Second Print Pod, the Second Print Comics Podcast. I'm Remso. By the oh, way, you, you gotta go. spell. You gotta spell the letter. The, the letter. You gotta uh, spell the word second. I have uh, encountered a few people who had ended up, you know, through trial and uh-oh. error, having to figure that out. Maybe they were typing two N D. No, it is the letter second. S E. I'm not gonna. The spell letter. Second. Oh yeah, the letter second. <laughs> the, <laughs> the word second. We don't do letters, folks. <laughs> we d- yeah. Issues, episodes, letters, words. Uh, there's a lot of confusion going on here, guys, but the point is we love comics and we love to talk about them with you. And that's all we're doing, okay? As always, I'm Remster W. Martinez. And I am the marvelous Mark Claire. Read comics! Change the world. Good night, America. Change the world! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.